0: Hi, I'm Monica Marquez, your host for today's episode. Have you ever asked yourself and really thought about what distinguishes you from everyone else? What is your unique value proposition? If you don't know the answer to these questions, or if you don't know how to articulate your story in a compelling way, then you're limiting your career opportunities. In this episode, our guest Sandra Lopez, Vice President for Intel Sports, shares how she turned an ordinary career into an extraordinary one when she finally answered these questions posed by her colleague. Sandra realized that she wasn't embracing the characteristics and strengths that made her unique and stand out from the crowd of talent around her. This set her on a path to discovery, self-reflection, and taking action. In Sandra's current role as VP for Intel Sports, she is responsible for partnering with the sports and media industry to provide the future fans with the next generation of immersive media experiences. Sandra leads a team that is focused on leading the business, marketing and market development efforts of Intel sports and studios. She is also the co-chair of the World Economic Forum's Global Future Council on VR, AR and XR and is dedicated to building the next generation of women leaders. Over the course of her career, Sandra has received numerous recognitions, including Most Powerful Women in Tech, Top Women in Media, Top 10 Latina Executives, and the list goes on. Prior to joining Intel in 2005, Sandra held various positions at Adobe Systems, Macromedia, Computer Associates International, and several other technology companies. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Sandra. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, and your journey. What makes Sandra? Sandra.
1: Hi, uh, thank you so much for having me, Monica, it's uh, great to be here. And I think that's just a very complicated question, because <laughs> from my perspective, it's um, it's multidimensional, because mm-hmm. there's many phases of your life. And I think from the point of view that um, I was, you know, first generation American in the United States, learning how to uh, apply for college, what career do I want that was a particular phase and growing up with my parents that are 100% Mexican that had no idea how to traverse that landscape and figure it out on my own. Mm -hmm. And then you go into the first part of in terms of entering corporate America. And, you know, many of us that are first generation, we're kind of independent, and we're going to make it happen. And you're realizing that no pun intended, like you (laughs) Bump into barriers. How do you overcome those barriers? And then you go into the next phase of your career in terms of middle management. And oftentimes as females um, and female leadership, there is the leaky pipeline in terms of the phase of you having a child. And can you be an outstanding partner, an outstanding mother, and then be an outstanding employee? And many of us have really high standards. And then you're kind of challenged by this position of like, well, I'm honestly, doing shitty in all of them, right? Because <laughs> right. you you only have limited time and you, no, there's no playbook of how to be a parent. There's no playbook in terms of how to be a working parent. And then you kind of begin to figure out um, what does a working parent mean? And then you transition into the next stage of your life should you want to continue up the corporate ranks. And there's few of us females and few of right. us in terms of minority backgrounds. And then you are you know, the minorities were competing for the next position. And then you realize that some of the people that you think would have your back, whether the other female leaders or the other Mm Mexican-Americans actually don't have your back because Mm. they are competing for the next level of position. And so how do you, how do you traverse that? Um, And so what I would say to you and to anybody is that like life is like ways, you know, directly where you want to go, but allow yourself to explore like the un- unexplored neighborhoods that you never knew existed. Right, um, You're going to have all these experiences that are going to change who you are. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say, you know, it's hard to answer that question because there's so much complexity in life, And all these amazing experiences, whether for good or for bad, that help inform who you're going to be. Mm -hmm. And you're always becoming, I think Michelle Obama's book of becoming is like, you're always becoming until Mm -hmm. that final last breath that you take. And so um, I think it's, you know, go with the flow, um, Mm -hmm. let experiences help inform who you want to become. And sometimes in the way you're going to surprise what you are also capable of yourself that you never realized that you were capable of.
0: That's fantastic. And it's so insightful because there is that complexity of the, just the intersectionality of, you know, being a woman, being Latina, you know, being first generation, like all of these different things that are compounding in some cases. Um, and thinking a little bit about then how do you build your personal brand from that? Like, how do you tell your story? um, And how do you stand up and stand out? Right. And how do you distinguish yourself? And given, you know, your unique expertise, too, and building brands and um, that, what would you say? How do you apply it to yourself? Like in your career? How have you done that in, in terms of really looking at yourself and being able to tell your story?
1: Right. So, uh, ironically, I would argue the first half of my career was not about building my brand, but it was like being like everybody else. And that's mm. really like society wants you to put you in a box right. and define you. And so, because you're a woman, you must be X. Because you're Mexican American, um, you may have an accent. Like there's so many things that society tries to define you. Mm. And for the first part of my career, um, for better or for worse, like being Mexican American and having to go visit my family in Mexico like every summer, and then literally being raised in an upper middle class Caucasian neighborhood, I knew how to be a chameleon. Like I knew how to fit in and adjust to the norms that were being created for me. Yes, and over time. Um, I like to highlight this story because it was uh, when I joined Intel in 2006, Mm -hmm. this gentleman by Ernie Felix put time on my calendar to talk about the Intel Latino Leadership Council. Mm -hmm. And it was for leaders that happened to be of Latino, Latinx descent. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'll take this meeting. And recognize that for the many parts of my life, I didn't highlight that I was Mexican Mm. because um, I was judged with regards to, oh, you got into college because of affirmative action, not because of your own intellect. Or uh, they would, uh, society would just assume many things about my family, my dad's career, so I would hide my ethnicity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And many people, I mean, I could pass for Caucasian, Italian, Mexican, just yeah, because yeah. of my, you know, how I look. And um, so I hit find an ethnicity. And when uh, Ernie Felix asked me this question in the conversation, he said, well, Sandra, like, what challenges have you had being a Latina in corporate America? And I'm like, Ernie, like, what are you talking about? Like, I've never made my gender ethnicity an issue. And so, no, it has never challenged me or kept me from being where I am today. Arguably, that question like sat in my subconscious for several months. Mm-hmm. And one morning I woke up and I realized that I wasn't embracing who I was. I wasn't embracing my ethnicity. I wasn't embracing my gender. I wasn't embracing who, what I was meant to do in this world. Mm-hmm. And I went through a very dark journey um, with an executive coach Therapy to really understand um, Sandra Lopez, and to your point, like my brand and what I mm-hmm. represent. And through that journey, I knew that I like to create things. You know, I'm a builder. That means a new in, in your career in terms of creating new markets, and you see that manifest. Um, I love he- helping the next generation to build themselves up, mm-hmm. and so you start to really. Um, hone in on your differentiator and what you can bring in service to companies, what mm-hmm. you can bring in service to society. And I always go back to the point that we are all uniquely different, nature versus nurture, and tap into who you were meant to become mm-hmm. and lean into that because everyone else is taken. And so I think for your listeners, is it is a journey. And oftentimes, we don't want to put a mirror in front of ourselves, Mm -hmm. um, because it can take you to very dark moments or your upbringing. Uh, But I would argue that that question that Ernie Felix gave me that day in that moment has been one of the greatest gifts of my life, because that put me in this trajectory. This is probably why I'm sitting here now talking to you, because of that self-reflection.
0: Mm. That is so fascinating. And thank you for sharing that. I mean, it was so vulnerable. But I think many of us who do have that internex- intersectionality of being Latina, being female, you do learn to be very fluid and chameleon-like that you lose yourself sometimes. right and um you don't and then you realize later as we get older that actually those are the differentiators um you know because you are a minority sometimes in a very white male dominated organization that that is actually a strength and how can you leverage that and kind of use that to um to propel your success so i think that's Fabulous that you've shared that story. Now, you talked a little bit about, you know, sometimes these social norms or limiting beliefs or, you know, overcoming fears that, you know, well, I don't know how to do this because I'm first generation or what do I do? What are some techniques or what were, you know, what were some of the hacks that you used to help yourself get over some of these limiting beliefs um, and push forward and become the successful leader that you've become?
1: Yeah so you know i think you know hacks really apply to everybody in a very individualistic way but i remember one of my mentors and he was um he's a male and he's mm-hmm. you know he's still a mentor of mine in the business community world he oh he gave me a couple of things he's like sandra if you just ask the question or ask for help the worst thing you're going to get is a no Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not going to affect your health. It's not going to affect your career, but just ask. And however, as a Latina, that was very difficult when I was asking questions or challenging um, authority, because as Latinos, the whole concept of respeto.
0: Yes. Like you don't
1: challenge authority. (laughs) So what I did unbeknownst to me was like doing a life hack is that I would practice when I knew there was a big meeting and there was senior level executives. I was being well versed on the topic. Uh I would write down my question. I would practice my question literally um, the night before. And then I would look for moments that there was pause or they where they would say, Hey, does anybody have a question? And I said, yes, I do have a question. And I would just wait for that moment to get asked uh-huh. that question. And then over time, I would wait for pauses and I was saying, listen, I have a question. Um, and it would, I would phrase it in a way that I was still respecting mm. the senior leadership. And then over time, I, I'm not hesitant to ask any questions anytime now, but <laughs> it's a, a very long time. And that goes back to like how you were raised. And I always think about like, learn about the person's background and how they were raised because there will be limitations. And for me, the the whole respect and what I learned was such a great value respecting the elders in the household Mm -hmm. was counter and hurt me in my career. And so figuring out those little baby steps. And oftentimes I think when we talk about things that we are fearful, Mm -hmm. often are trying to take a big giant leap. And what I have learned is you're better off doing the baby steps. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, somebody said, um, you know, 1% better every day and imagine 365 days from now, how much better you're going to be. And that goes back to the principles of know what you're afraid of and just break it down into baby steps. Mm -hmm. And that will help you overcome kind of the fear or anxiety that you're experiencing.
0: Mm. You know, I love that you touched a little bit about the cultural norms and those, you know, the way that we were brought up from a cultural perspective of, like, respeto. And the other is, you know, around self-promotion, around, mija, just do good work, put your head down, (laughs) work really hard, and you're going to get noticed. But you and I both know, and we probably learned really quickly, that in the corporate environment, you're going to get passed up if that's what you do. Correct. So tell me how did you um how did you get past the uh, you know the uncomfortableness of self promotion you know what are some of the things that you do to make sure that you know you are um getting acknowledgement for the work and the achievements that you do
1: yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I learned very quickly. Um, one of the things that I always do, and I do to date, is I look at other people that I admire from a leadership standpoint, mm-hmm. and what do they do right, and what do they do wrong, um, and the feedback that they garner. So whether it's people that I know or people that I don't know, one of the things to your point is um, really grounding themselves on the impact that they're having on business and or mm-hmm. society, and so that isn't necessarily like bragging about look at me sandra lopez i was covered in xyz magazine it was uh-huh. really about i think it's called the humble brag of mm. uh, you have to sh- i always talk i always tell everybody regardless of who you are ethnicity or gender is have your brag sheet but mm. translate it to the impact that you're having on the business or on society and so and reminding your management so always ask for the one to one professional development Conversations and say, let me show you what I've been able to accomplish to date. Um, it's also equally important leveraging LinkedIn because you always want to, you want to create value for yourself. I always tell people, you are your own CEO. So mm-hmm. as we try to drive market cap value up for companies, why would you not want to do that for yourself? So you look for opportunities on LinkedIn that you're making a difference either in the market that you're serving or uh, social justice causes, and it's grounded on something that is. Um, like you've executed a program. Mm -hmm. So I think there is a difference between um, PR for PR sake versus the humble brag of the work that you're doing Mm -hmm. is driving tangible impact to society or the business community. And I always tell people do that exercise. Don't wait till the end of the year. Like, oh, what did I accomplish the past 365 days? Like every three months, create your brag sheet. Mm-hmm. Make it on business impact or societal impact and share it with others, you know, and open and then doors will open up because they'll know what you're capable of. Mm. Um, and so I think you, I think it's something that one
0: should not be ashamed of um, and should actively pursue. Thank you for sharing that. And I think the other beautiful thing about your brag sheet is that that also is the evidence that you need to kind of reflect and look at yourself and propel yourself forward when you have those moments of imposter syndrome or doubt or whatever, to be able to go back to your brag sheet and say, look at this. Like you know, I did this. Like I'm, I'm amazing. Um, I think that's fantastic, and I think our, our, all of our listeners should start, you know, polishing up this brag sheet of theirs and use it for those two reasons, right? To be able exactly. to self promote, and also, what I
1: think, I think to your point, Monica, too. Uh-huh. Like females as females, like we, we are not told by society to self promote, right? Um, we don't take the next job because we think that we're not capable of it. While our male counterparts are like, sure, I'll raise my hand, even if they're not even qualified. Mm-hmm. So I do think the brag sheet also helps drive confidence in your capabilities. So you can mm-hmm. s- turn no on to an on. Yes,
0: I can make it happen. Yes, that's fantastic. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future-ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to iambeyondbarrierscom slash quiz and take the quiz today. Now, you've told us and shared with us a little bit, a lot about your mentors and sponsors, and many have been male. And one of the things I want to touch on is that we coach a lot of women. We help a lot of women in, in terms of accelerating their success. And they're always asking about, you know, there aren't enough female mentors or female leaders, you know, people that look like me. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit myself that a lot, a lot of my mentors and sponsors were male. And so tell me a little bit about how you accessed influential leaders and how you went about leveraging community to help you get ahead.
1: Um, Great question. I think I want to first start off in terms of the difference between mentor and sponsor. Mm -hmm. A very simplistic point I tell people, mentors are your advisors and Mm -hmm. sponsors will be your advocates to get to the next level. So Mm -hmm. let's break that down. Mentors, like I started the podcast, there's so many different phases in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, You can have a mentor in terms of wow, I just had a kid. How do you do this work-life balance? And there's a mentor for that. Mm -hmm. There are mentors in terms of, I want to ask for the promotion, yet I'm afraid. Um, And so I think mentors should be used based on the opportunity that you're trying to address. Hmm. Now, from a gender perspective, let's realize that there's going to be many more men than females. So just don't make it a gender issue when it comes to mentorship. Really mm-hmm. focus on what do you need help on and go find the best mentor. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you do that? Usually within your your uh, company, you can start with your boss. Like, hey, I'm looking for X, Y, Z. You can start with your colleagues and mm-hmm. say, do you know anybody that could help me in this particular situation? And or I always tell people like what my boss said is like, the worst thing is you can Ask you can go to LinkedIn and see who's covering that particular topic and send them, them a message. They're either going to respond or they're not going to respond. Like for me, ironically, I tend to respond to various individuals, specifically the next generation, because I wish somebody could help me when I was in their their shoes. Right on the sponsor sponsorship side, um, I've happened to have both female and male, and um, I would. I would not be where I am today if it was not for my sponsor, specifically Chris Min at Intel, who took me through a multi-year journey in terms of what does it take to be an executive at Intel and really putting um, a, like I was very self-reflective and knew what the responsibility and accountability is. So one thing for everybody to realize is as you move up the ranks, mm-hmm. you have greater accountability more than just your job. And nice. so understanding that and really preparing me for that yet, look, I will take any male that wants to be my sponsor because ultimately they have the Rolodex and they have access to all the C-level, all the board of directors. And so I would argue, take anybody that is willing to be your advocate, Mm -hmm. agnostic of gender, and know that when it comes to maybe having a male sponsor, you probably have to make slight adjustments um, given the Me Too, the recent Me Too. So maybe it's going to be, you know, lunch, not in person, or maybe over Zoom. So just know that there's some adjustments that need to be made because of the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. However, um, it should never preclude you from proactively securing a sponsor. And I would just say when it comes to sponsors and mentors, just try not to make gender an issue. It's really about the best person that's going to help you remove a particular barrier and or open the doors for you.
0: That is so profound. And I'm so glad that you also brought up the, you know, sometimes there is that male sponsor who may be apprehensive because of Me Too and things going on in society and in the world, but you can be creative, like you said, of making it to where both of you are comfortable and it's like, you know, just an open lunch or like a virtual meeting or something where it just makes the safe space for both parties. Um, I think that's so important. And the other is that like you said, sometimes the male sponsors do have much more access and leveraging them for their access is vital for your, your success. And we shouldn't be ashamed of leveraging your resources and maximizing your resources because the men do it. That's what the good old boy network exactly. is, right? They, they help each other out. So, why not take the, take the offer when they say, hey, I want to advocate for you and just say yes. Like, don't be afraid to do that. I think that's fantastic. Now, share a little bit about you know because you have been successful and you've taken big risks. You've even um, changed lanes, right? And in, in terms of where you were going, and then you went to yeah. Intel and doing different things. How have you? How did you make your, those decisions? how did, How do you kind of take those risky decisions and make those decisions? What do you do? Is there is there a process <laughs> you go through?
1: There isn't a process. And I will tell you, it's going back to the earlier conversation around really trying to understand you Hmm. and really becoming the best version of yourself. And sometimes the greatest growth is when you're the most uncomfortable. So I want to highlight a particular um, moment in my career that many people would think would have been the wrong decision, but arguably It was an amazing decision Uh Um, is when I came back after giving birth to my uh, amazing, who's now 10 year old daughter, I was given the opportunity to either, you know, maintain the consumer brand or pursue this effort called new business. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Monica, it was so vague. I'm like, what is this new business? What Mm -hmm. is Intel doing? Um, Yet I knew that I was a builder. I, I cannot be in positions that are about the stagnant growth, like it's being stagnant, or Mm -hmm. just keep the status quo moving forward. Um, So I took the risk of moving towards this new position, which meant having zero team, like zero team members. So it went from like a large organization to a team of one. Uh That in many businesses would be viewed as a demotion, but for me was an opportunity to grow and learn and be part of the company's transformation, even mm. if I was a team of one. And that led me towards a career pivot, moving into away from the world of marketing. And I had this aspiration to be a CMO, but it's because I didn't even know what maybe being a general manager would be. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that maybe I had the capability of, you know, managing a PL and doing business development. So that career pivot allowed me to enter into the business unit world, which is much closer to a P&L and driving revenue for the business, mm. which is much closer to having direct relationships with customers.
0: Right. And
1: I love being in those roles. I thrive <laughs> in being in that type of position. And so And now, um, you know, I lead a team, I create new markets, I can like, you know, I feel like I'm always part of history. And so I use that as an example that sometimes you're gonna be at a crossroads and you're gonna have to make a decision. And society will tell you, Sandra, stay with large budgets, a large team that equals success. Right. And I defied that norm and I went with what was in my heart. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that. I, my career trajectory just took off and I have met so many amazing people. And I know, like I go back, I'm like, because I made that decision, that gave me the opportunity to go speak at Davos because mm. I made that decision. I now can flex muscles that I didn't even realize I had. Mm. And so I think the biggest thing that I think everybody should think about, and I was, I mention this frequently is that society is going to force you to make decisions that you think um, is the right thing to do. And I challenge everybody is do the right thing for you as long in the process is it's kind mm-hmm. um, and, and you are going to be a happier person. And so um, I think we're all, we all have inflection points. And I think it's just a lot of self-reflection, self-awareness
0: and buck the norms. That is so inspiring. And so, you know, you took a chance. You took this role that was blank slate, right? You had this whole, you know, and you come, you have this pioneering kind of drive and mindset, right? Like blank slate, I can do these things. Now, I'm sure there may have been some setbacks and failures along the way because when you don't know, you know, it's just like there's the unknown. Um, How do you overcome those setbacks and failures, uh, you know, when you did come across them?
1: You know, um, there's this there's this book called The Growth Mindset, and failure is learning. Mm, you yes. know, um, and I and I think this goes back to why have we made failure bad? Like, mm-hmm. why have we defined failure as um, equivalent of not succeeding when there have been so many examples of entrepreneurs that have now created multi billion dollar businesses. They have failed multiple times and have succeeded. So, I think we need to reframe the word failure and failure equals growth mm-hmm. um, that enables you to do better. And so, I embrace failure. It took me a while to learn about that. Right. Um, but for me, you know, we have many failures, and as long as you don't repeat the same failure, twice um, because that means you didn't learn from it. So I would say, don't be afraid to take a step forward because you think you're going to fail. You're at that point, you're already sabotaging yourself. Do Mm -hmm. not do that. Take the step forward knowing that you're going to make it. And Mm -hmm. in the process, you may have setbacks, but those setbacks were only intended for you to learn because that experience is going to help you with the next barrier that you may confront moving forward.
0: Yes. So I love that tool of reframing and, and flipping failure on its head and causing it to be kind of a teachable moment and right. learning from it. That's fantastic. Now, thinking about, you know, successful habits of successful leaders, you in your own right are an extremely successful leader. Tell us a little bit about maybe some habits or rituals that Sandra does in order to make sure that she is successful throughout her day. Uh,
1: this may be like overexposing, but I will be transparent. <laughs> COVID has done a number on me. Mm-hmm. Um, for somebody that traveled greater than 80% um, of her, you know, career life, mm-hmm. um, always on the go. My job is interacting with human beings. T- for that to be all taken away from you mm-hmm. and um, you know, figuring out how do you survive? Yeah. Um, and more than anything, it's your mental health. And so when COVID began, the first three months, was like, I got this, of course, to your point, like I'm a survivor. And then during the summer of last year, it, it definitely began to take a toll and I started to explore, I, I meditate, I always meditate, I do oh. transcendental meditation mm-hmm. um, because of the stressful the stressful job that I have. But then I went further into... Um, really understanding your body, your mental health. Mm-hmm. And so I have, um, I call it the, it, it, there's a book called the miracle morning. I took parts of it, um, but I also applied it for myself. Um, there's nothing like starting your day off. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I walk and it's about creating boundaries. My mm-hmm. morning is untouchable, usually before seven 30. It's, I rarely will take a meeting uh, just so I can do my routine, whether it's the exercise, um, gratitude, journaling, Mm -hmm. reading more about self growth than about um, what's happening in the stock market Mm -hmm. and giving me that time for me Mm -hmm. and making sure that um, I was talking to a really good friend of mine and I was telling him, you know, we don't spend a lot of time self loving ourselves. What a concept, right? But if you don't love yourself and you can't show up, um, the best person that you could possibly be, then you're going to struggle. Your productivity will be impacted both on your personal and professional life. You will not feel like you you will not feel rewarded. So for me, what I do do is I put myself first so then I can show up for everybody else. And so I can show up for my company as well. And so I would say um, every, because we're all different. Everybody's life hack is different. Right. Go on your own journey. Somebody I like, I like to run. I never was a runner, but with COVID I became a runner. And mm-hmm. uh, one of my employees said, well, I'm not a runner. I go, then don't run. But go find something that was going to that's going to give you adrenaline and make you feel better about yourself and Uh go try different things and figure out what hack is the best one for you. Um, So I, I do think the importance of boundaries and really protecting those boundaries. And it's okay to tell your boss, no, I can't take that meeting unless it's urgent because I need to focus on me. And your management should know that and respect that because they would want the best productivity out of you. And if it means that you need to take that you know, from 12 to 1 completely off for lunch or to go run, then you know, em- embrace that and have the conversation with your management.
0: That is so empowering and it's, you know, sometimes we we hear people and we say, set your boundaries, do your boundaries, but I think you gave a really tangible example and giving people permission and saying, it's okay to tell your boss, no, unless it's urgent because right. this is like, I can't move it, <clears throat> you know? So, yeah. I think putting yourself first is so important and I, you know, thank you for sharing that because it is empowering to hear oh, this is how I handle it. You know, it's it's on my, it's the yeah. unmovable meeting. Like, sorry, I, I can't move it. It's a critical meeting unless it's urgent. hundred
1: okay. percent, Monica. Now everybody, I think I find when I mentor the next generation, females have the harder time of establishing their boundaries because we recognize and we all recognize that we have to work harder. Right. But working harder does not mean that you cannot protect your boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I will challenge... Any manager or leader um, today in today's world that your EQ has to over index your IQ right now Mm -hmm. um, with all that's happening with COVID, social justice. Um, We have a new leader um, that has joined Intel recently. His name is Saf. He's Mm -hmm. part, uh, he leads the organization that I'm in. And, you know, I am so grateful for him because he started his quarterly uh, business meeting this week with mental health. Mm. And I'm like, he gets it. Yeah. And he told his employees, take care of you, get that eight hour sleep. And so I will challenge um, you know, anybody that has a manager that's not thinking about EQ, have that conversation. Maybe, that, maybe you can help the other person grow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of articles out there about the next generation leader and how the next generation leader has to have EQ greater than IQ. Yes. Um, they may benefit from
0: that article. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And I know that our listeners are going to be <laughs> just wanting more of, you know, the wisdom that you've been sharing, Sandra. So uh, before we wrap up, I love to ask all of our, our guests, um, what are some parting advice that you would give our women to share with them of how do they continue to accelerate their success in this day and age and even in this current environment?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to reference an image that I recently saw from one of the, uh, news journal articles. It was a woman, um, in a closet, mm-hmm. uh, on her computer taking care of a kid. And, um, and interesting enough, I was, I'm prepping for another presentation that I have. And I Googled, um, working woman during COVID. Uh-huh. And it was interesting, the pictures that came up and working man during COVID. That was mm-hmm. very interesting the yes. disparity of uh, the woman had all the kids, the man just looked like he was working and nothing really <laughs> has changed. And I think it's about time that we ask for help. Mm-hmm. I think it's about time that our partners, you know, whether it's family members, et cetera, to mm-hmm. take off the load because um, the mental management is they are leaving. Females are having to choose to leave their career Um over the mail, mm-hmm. and I don't think you have to choose. I think it's about asking for help and how do you get creative to manage everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very fortunate because the father of my daughter has shown up and he picks picks up greater than fifty percent probably of the workload, um, and so for that I'm forever grateful. But in the process, what it told me is I asked for help, mm-hmm. and he kindly stepped up. And I do think that um, we cannot afford females to leave. The workforce, then we will be talking about this 100 years from now. Right. And so everything we possibly can do to support you to stay in your job um, is the conversation that we need to have. Mm-hmm. So we have new leadership in DC, you know, party agnostic, are there policies in place that we need to put in place to make sure that we support females? Mm-hmm. If so, what are those nonprofit organizations that we should be engaging with or creating our own nonprofit um, right. to drive these policies forward? So um, but that image, when I did that Google search, I, I, got, I, I, like, I got goosebumps because yes. this is going to become a systemic problem. And I do not think we're talking enough about it. Mm-hmm. And so um, in any way that I could possibly be of help, uh, I'm here to help. Um, I think there are some resources. You challenge your company. To provide programs in place for working parents, um, you know, I know Intel employees do that, and Intel graciously responds, you know, appropriately. Um, have those conversations within your company, outside of your company, and in your household. There's no excuse for a woman to take on more of the burden. Um, and then, speaking as Latinas, we are kind of the, you know, matriarch, and there's something around the the mother, that we then get, um, it's further punctuated about our role and the expectation that our parents and abuelitas and abuelitos have of us. (laughs) So, um, you know, I think there's an education process to be had and um, we need all the help that we can get. So the leaky pipeline no longer exists
0: wow that is absolutely just phenomenal thank you for pointing that out and bringing the awareness because it is so important and it needs to be a conversation that is being had every day more and more uh, so that we can continue to accelerate and see more women in leadership so again thank you so much for your time and I know that our audience is going to want to know how to hear more from Sandra. Um, how can they follow you? Keep in touch with you. Uh, what's the best way for them to reach you?
1: I'm on LinkedIn. You can you know follow me LinkedIn. You can message me. I know my admin partner always gets frustrated, but look, <laughs> um, I do have monthly mentor days. I do that because I know Monica. You and I talked before. I never had when I started my career mentors and sponsors were very few and far between. And I know in my first part of my career, if I had access to them, I maybe would have made different career choices. Mm -hmm. And so now, um, and you mentioned like, you know, beyond barriers is to accelerate careers. I'm here to help accelerate somebody's career. And so they don't go through the challenges that maybe you and I had to endure and they could um, avoid those pitfalls
0: fantastic well again thank you so much for your time and i know that your pearls of wisdom are going to reach many many individuals and inspire them and empower them so again thank you so much
1: no thank you for having me and thank you for beyond barriers i think it's a great program and thank you for all the work that you've been doing
0: thank you for listening to the beyond barriers podcast there are thousands of podcasts out there and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours if you enjoyed the show please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.